0: Welcome to episode number 132, Grace and Perfectionism. I'm your host, Damon Soka. Might I start today with an invitation to help someone else? In whatever way you can, find some small way to help another who suffers. If that means posting this podcast to every social media account you possess, if that means talking to a friend about suicide or depression or your own personal experiences, if that means creating your own podcast... Whatever that looks like to you and is within your capacity and ability, help others who suffer as you do in some small way this week. Remember that about 15 to 20% of the ward membership is or will suffer with mental illness in their lifetime. In a ward of 300 persons, which is a pretty small ward, that means 60 of them will face the daunting task of confronting mental illness. And the odds are very good at least 30 of them are already suffering. Anything you can do to help is extremely valuable to the Lord and to His loving and merciful hands. Be His hands. Today I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Out of all the doctrines of the atonement, grace is the doctrine that I have most leaned upon throughout my illnesses, both mental and physical. It allows me to accept my weaknesses as they are. It allows me to be honest with myself. And in the end, it helps me to avoid toxic perfectionism. I have leaned heavily at times upon this gift of the divine, and it has provided hope where I could rarely see any. I think that you probably know by now I tend to be a little bit of a perfectionist. My nature is to organize, schedule, and plan my exaltation. Yes, I said plan my exaltation. We don't often perceive our eternal quest as planning our exaltation, but if you're anything like me, you plan for it every day. Don't get me wrong nothing wrong with planning. We need goals, executable plans, and milestones to work towards our exaltation. It isn't going to just happen without us thinking about it and planning for it. But like everything else in the gospel, we need balance, especially when we have mental illness. We can get so caught up in planning and executing our perfection, because that's really what we're doing, that we lose sight of the end goal, We get caught up in schedules, meetings, checking boxes, doing things on our list, creating rules for ourselves, that somewhere we begin to believe that we must somehow earn our salvation. We believe that if we put in sufficient effort, we can by ourselves overcome our weaknesses, challenges, and stumbling blocks. When things go awry, we tend to blame it on our lack of effort or our lack of faith. When we don't see ourselves changing fast enough, We overextend ourselves and push harder, attempting to view a change of nature as simply a matter of effort. When our illnesses come to call and limit our efforts, we disparage at all we are not accomplishing, thinking in some ways that we are falling behind and failing. This only increases our anxious concerns, and of course we vow to try harder. In the end, we collapse, overwhelmed by exhaustion depressed in body and spirit and feeling as though we will never be able to live up to exaltation we can even begin to believe that it would be just easier to work for a lesser kingdom we believe that we aren't we just aren't celestial material and maybe a nice cottage in the terrestrial kingdom would suit us best when we think about exaltation in this way we can become blind to our weaknesses we can give up trying and simply hope that maybe the Lord will be merciful enough to allow us to visit celestial beaches once in a while. We also tend to lose sight of the honesty with ourselves, and we can become wrapped in a world of self-doubt, self-loathing, self-pity, and what feels like total hopelessness that we will ever be good enough to enter into the kingdom of God. It can even feel good to say, I'm just not good enough to get there. I'll never be good enough. So I will be content with something lesser. Why this statement feels good is actually quite simple. You have removed the stress and anxiety created by perfectionism. And you allow your mind and body to relax and enjoy who you honestly are. I am not sure why, but sometimes when we get to this point of, I don't care anymore, we tend not to simply reduce and balance our efforts to a more manageable level, but we just give up entirely. We decide that if we don't have the capacity to attain celestial life by ourselves, then might as well enjoy more of mortality. Perhaps it is that we don't fully understand the law or the principle of grace and its role in the salvation and exaltation of men and women. I didn't for a very long time. Grace was a concept that was somewhat foreign to me until later in my life. Like most members of the Church, I had been taught the principles of mercy and repentance, but in some ways I didn't fully understand them, because one cannot teach such principles without grace. Otherwise, repentance can become more of a behavioral modification program rather than a change of heart process. So today, I'm going to explain what I personally understand of the power and principle of grace in our lives, and what it means when in 2 Nephi twenty-five twenty-three, Nephi states that we are saved by grace after all we can do. I have over time had to view grace from the perspective of capacity. This is just how I think about it. What I mean by capacity is my personal ability to achieve exaltation without the divine gift of grace, through repentance and the mercy process. Now, I know that you shouldn't separate grace and repentance, but for this analogy and understanding, I will be separating them to aid the discussion. My capacity is my personal abilities, talents, pre-mortal spiritual nature, experience, and learning that I expend to obtain celestial life. It represents all the changes in my life that I can personally make with forgiveness to become celestial without the gift of grace. Now, I often look at it from this perspective. We all came to earth as experienced spiritual adults. However, we did not all come to earth with the same spiritual nature or the same level of obedience experience, meaning that we were not all as diligent in learning those celestial lessons lessons, before this earth life. Some spirits were more of a celestial nature, others were more of a terrestrial nature, and still others were more of a telestial nature. We came to this earth, in some ways, predetermined to a particular kingdom, not out of any kind of fatalism, but due to our own diligence or lack thereof in the pre-mortal worlds. It is really inconsistent to believe that a diligent spiritual individual who possessed a celestial nature before this life, would somehow turn to a telestial nature simply because a veil was placed over their pre-mortal experiences. The corollary is also true. It is inconsistent that a spirit who by nature was more terrestrial in their nature before this life, would by their own accord somehow become celestial during their mortal sojourn. We have also been told many times that we were given everything necessary, all the necessary lessons we needed before coming to this earth. Now to be taught lessons for this earth before coming to this earth means that those teachings stayed with us. We are also taught that diligent spirits were given some special assignments on the earth as leaders because of their experience and their nature before this earth. There exists consistent evidence throughout the scriptures that spirits came to this earth with celestial, terrestrial, and celestial natures. Now this leads me to the idea of capacity. I'm going to use myself as the example today. Let's say we divided all the kingdoms of salvation into three levels. This is not doctrine whatsoever, but it helps me to explain what I mean by capacity. Let's say with all my efforts in the previous world... And with the efforts I can do in this world, I came to the earth with a terrestrial level two nature, meaning that my capacity to obtain celestial life with forgiveness and repentance, laying aside grace, was that I could attain a middle kingdom of the terrestrial order. I could put in all the work that I desired, but that is my capacity. No matter what I did to increase increase that or increase it, That is my nature. By myself, and with the repentance part of the atonement, I could only attain to a level two terrestrial order. Yes, I understand that even the gift of forgiveness is part of grace, but I'm placing that to the side for now to understand capacity. I can liken this terrestrial level two nature to building a bridge across the Grand Canyon. I personally could build to a little over halfway with the efforts and materials that I possess— but there is no way that I had the capacity to reach the other side. Grace, in its simplest form, is the Savior giving me the materials and experience as a divine gift to complete my bridge to the other side. I don't merit those materials, energy, or experience. They are simply given because I was willing to build my bridge to the middle and allow the Savior to provide sufficient gifts understanding, materials, and energy to build to the other side. Grace then allows us to be met where we are and for the Savior to provide what we need to get to the other side. Perfectionism is believing that we can build the bridge all by ourselves and believing that the Lord is just waiting on the other side, hoping we can get there. The truth is, is that we possess a certain capacity to obtain celestial life, And the Lord, through grace, mercy, and his love for us, makes up the difference. Now some have skewed and distorted this idea of grace to the extreme. They say that the Lord must build the entire bridge, and that we are saved by grace alone. We just need to believe and wait for the bridge to be built. Both ends of that spectrum are incorrect in their view. We need to put forth all we can do, and the Lord will provide the remaining portion. Yes, we at times get lost in the idea of all we can do, and we'll talk about that. But what we need to understand is that the Lord desires to give us the gift of grace. He desires to help and to provide aid to our souls. He does not give out grace like some type of despotic king, randomly helping one person but not another. He gives it to those who work and ask. Grace is, and should be, a consistent force in our lives. It gives great hope to every soul. If the Lord can make up the difference, then all we have to do is give our best effort and ask for that divine help. Now, this idea of grace has helped me more than any other principle of the gospel with my mental illness. If not for grace and the Lord's divine help, giving us weaknesses on this earth does not seem logical or even very helpful. If we did not have this divine gift, then giving someone a mental illness could, and likely would, be a spiritual death sentence. But with grace, mental illness can teach us valuable lessons about ourselves, our relationship with the Savior, and even those around us. And any disadvantage can be made up. When we understand that the Lord can make up the difference and He is ready and willing to do so, then our small efforts during our dark moments can be everything the Lord needs us to do. We can lay aside our perfectionism and our efforts to obtain celestial life on our own and work with the Lord through our efforts, however meager those efforts might be, and the Lord's gifts of divine aid. Now, Let's talk about that phrase, all we can do. Even this phrase can cause us some anxiety, and the belief that all we can do is expend every last ounce of energy and ability we have towards exaltation. Now, if not for another scripture, which I love, this phrase could be very confusing. The scripture that dovetails nicely and expounds this idea is found in King Benjamin's sermon. I have quoted it often in these podcasts. It is Mosiah 4.27. And see that these things are done in wisdom and order, for it is not requisite that a man should run faster than he has strength. And again, it is expedient that he should be diligent, that thereby he might win the prize. Therefore, all things must be done in order. What the Lord wants is effort, but not the expend all your energy and crash type of effort, what I refer to as the sprinter syndrome. The Lord knows that that smaller, sustained efforts provide much greater learning. The problem we face with mental illness is to understand that level of effort. And yes, it is difficult. We feel guilty when we don't do something, even when not doing something is best for ourselves and our illness. It is difficult to choose what we can do and what we should do when the very processes that inform our decisions are under attack by our illness. So even when we are making choices, the Lord provides for grace and mercy in our choices. He wants us to work consistently, but he understands that our level of effort is going to change with our illness. He knows that our decision processes and our reality will be altered, and he takes that into account with great mercy. So what do we do then? We plan for what we believe we can do, and then we allow for adjustment without guilt the adjustment part is generally somewhat easy the guilt part not so much we need to manage the guilt we plan our spiritual processes through these primary answers prayer scriptures serving and loving others and looking generally for ways to make the world a more loving and forgiving and better place to live Now, Each of those answers will look differently, depending upon our illness and our emotional status. Some days we might be able to really search and apply the scriptures to our lives, and others we might only get a few verses read. Some days we might be inspired to help another as we have the energy and capacity, and other days we will not. Just because our illness causes this disparity does not mean that the lesser days provide lesser value. What we, need, what we most need is to be content with what we can do. Is that easy? Heavens no. That represents a very difficult adjustment for the brain and the heart. And it can represent even a difficult adjustment for those around us. When our capacity shifts to lower gears, those around us cannot see the difference outwardly, because this isn't an outward-facing illness. But if we don't adjust, and we continue to overextend, we will fall into one of two patterns. We will give up entirely, walking away, as it were, from the effort, maybe dabbling in the gospel once in a while, or we will fall into the sprinter syndrome, running far too fast for too long and collapse, losing some of the ground we have already gained. The sprinter syndrome also has the detrimental effect of amplifying our symptoms and causing greater stress and lost time over time we find that we sprint shorter distances and relapse for longer periods of time now i wish i had a formula to tell you exactly what balance ne- what your balance needs to be but that is dependent upon where you are in your management of the illness your personal goals your relationship to the savior and your symptoms and that formula tends to change over time as management improves or Life brings forth its shocks and surprises, and changes in our illness over time. What I can say is that if you start small and add things more slowly over time, your illness, the Spirit of the Lord, and your body will let you know. Yes, you are going to make mistakes, and you should expect that. And you will overextend, and at times you're going to underperform. But slowly, maybe more slowly than you would really like you will find some balance. And with that balance, maybe just a little more happiness, contentment, and joy. Understanding grace is really the key to finding that balance and capacity. Understanding that the Lord will make up the difference. Now, before I end today, I want to talk about something that has been on my mind regularly since conference. Suicide. I spoke spoken a few times about it and the need to address it when it comes upon us. It is important with mental illness to be honest about suicidal thoughts and emotions. Often, suicidal thoughts have come into my head. Normally, for me, these thoughts come when life has been difficult over a period of time. Lately, due to a serious aggravation of my autoimmune illnesses, I've been in great pain and have felt a great loss of energy. This brings about those depressed emotions and my anxiety tends to go a little crazy. And then those suicidal thoughts start. I realized the other day that my particular thoughts of suicide were not so much about dying, but being relieved from my suffering. I know that sounds like the same thing, but it isn't. I don't really want to die. I just want to have some relief, even for a short period of time. And this is how my brain and emotions are communicating with me. Suicidal thoughts can be frightening when they come. But remember that our brains are interpreting signals from the body and creating feelings from emotions. And sometimes we interpret a great desire for relief as suicidal thoughts. These thoughts are a signal from the body that you need to take some time and slow down. Remove some stress in your life. Take a vacation. Remove some of the aggravating complexities in your life. The body is just saying hey, I need a break, some reduction in stress and environmental influence. Many times, suicidal thoughts are not truly about suicide, but simply about rest and adjustment. Now, having said that, if your suicidal thoughts are increasing and you have begun to think about the how, and especially if you know how or are thinking about planning, get some help. I would say that it doesn't matter where you get that help, but in some ways it actually does. Get help that will help. Tell someone close to you that you are struggling and let them help you get help. Sometimes we don't even have the ability or capacity to do it ourselves. Suicide, as stated by Elder Holland, will not solve the problem but make it worse. These are his words from conference. Quote, To any of our youth, now I'm going to pause there for a minute, and I'm going to change youth to anyone to anyone out there who are struggling whatever your concerns or difficulties death by suicide is manifestly not the answer it will not relieve the pain you are feeling or that you think you are causing in a world that so desperately needs all the light it can get please do not minimize the eternal light god put in your soul before this world was talk to someone ask for help Do not destroy a life that Christ gave his life to preserve. You can bear the struggles of this mortal life because we will help you to bear them. You are stronger than you think. Help is available from others and especially from God. You are loved and valued and needed. We need you. Fear not. Believe only. End of quote. May the Lord bless you and keep you in His arms safely through grace. May you find balance, hope, and capacity, and the capacity you desire so much in your life. And most of all, may you lean upon that grace that is so readily available to you. May you do your part so that the Lord can do His. Until next week.